If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is brought to you by Mountain Tough and Yeti. A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. It's no secret Yeti has some of the best and most durable gear out there. But when it came to hydration, they previously didn't have a great backcountry solution. Well, that all changed with their new Yonder water bottle. My Yonder covered the backcountry all across the West last season while chasing mule deer, elk, caribou, and more. It's about 50% lighter than their insulated Rambler, but still has that Yeti toughness. The best part is they've now got them in four different sizes, so you can pack the bottle perfectly fit for your hunt. To top it off, there's also great options for customization. You can check them out now at yeti.com. Welcome back to the Live Wild Podcast, everyone. This is the time of year that I get really excited. I'm already packing up for my next trip. I, I drew a desert bighorn sheep tag. It's an archery tag, and I'm just gearing up, getting ready, thinking about all the possibilities of this hunt, and really excited because this is this for me is I don't know, just a, a a dream hunt to be able to draw that tag and and do that hunt. So I'm really excited about that. And one of the things like this time of year is you start to think about the hunts and think about the hunts in the future. So what I wanted to do this week is start to give out some tips and tactics for those elk hunts down the road, guys that maybe have rifle tags, late season archery tags, muzzleloader tags. That's what we're going to be looking at. You know, speaking of gearing up, I just wanted to also put this out there. If you wanted some of our Live Wild apparel, we've got some awesome hats, some tees. Everything is back in stock right now, so I just also wanted to throw that out there. You can go to my website, remywarren.com. We've got some new stuff on there as well. Uh, a lot of people were asking for blaze orange hats with the Live Wild logo. Uh, got that on there. We got this Bugle Icon t-shirt, hooded, also not hooded. Some awesome stickers. Beanies are in stock. We've got a new color of the Elk hat, Live Wild Elcat in a caramel and black color. That's the one that I was wearing when I shot my big bull. I can't exactly say that these hats are all lucky. However, I think that I've been getting a lot of photos and in my own personal success saying otherwise, that they, they might be lucky hats. So you can find your next lucky hat, next lucky shirt there on my website. Something to think about. You know, after the elk rut has just faded away and the majority of those archery seasons have passed, we start to look toward those late rifle 
late archery, maybe some muzzleloader tags in October, November, and also into December. And for many, that might even mean a general elk tag or an easier to draw permit. Some of those tags, Arizona, for example, has late archery tags and they're a lot easier to draw than during the rut. But in any case, what elk are doing this time of year is definitely different than what they're doing in September. And your tactics have to change as well. So as we're looking at those later elk hunts and strategies, we also have to recognize that different age class bulls definitely do different things. Young bulls and old mature bulls are almost on two different clocks with probably completely different patterns. And sometimes those overlap, but we're going to break down the strategies over the next couple of weeks between mature bulls and then those younger raghorns and cows. So this week, we're going to focus on the habits of mature elk later in the year, the challenge of finding them, and then some tips for targeting these elk. But before we do that, I want to share a quick story of helping a friend find a big bull above an ice cliff. Quite a few years ago, I was actually on my way home from guiding and a guy that I knew had a late season elk tag. It was a draw tag, but he had no experience elk hunting. And I figured it was kind of on my way. It was like five hours out of the way. And so I figured he was talking like they just hadn't seen any elk. So I decided to go down and just give him a hand finding a bull. And it's one of those tags where it was after a bunch of other seasons. It's later in the year. And, you know, it takes a lot of points to draw these tags sometimes. Maybe not as many as earlier seasons, but, you know, he wanted the best bull possible. He's thinking like, this might be the only elk tag that I draw in this state. Who knows, right? You, you put in 10, 12, 15 years to draw it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the thing about some of these draw tags. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a bull and it doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy hunt. Sometimes they're a harder hunt than a lot of other places, especially if a bunch of other seasons have passed and, and you're still, you've got expectations for a big bull. So I went down to give him a hand and I didn't have a lot of time, but and I got down there. I think I drove through the night. This is like most of my stories. I'm like going somewhere else, driving through the night, waking up in the morning, doing some hunting, getting on the road again. It's just the way that I roll. But got down there and, and got to a place where I'd, I'd have been before. And I also knew a little bit of the lay of the land. And so my plan was we were going to sit back off the mountain about five or six miles. And the guy, you know, he, he hadn't really elk hunted before. And he's like, wait, what, what are we doing? He's like, look, you want to find a big bull. There's certain places that these big bulls are going to be. And we need to cover a lot of this really hard to find country or hard to essentially look at country as much as we can. So we're going to let our eyes do the walking in the morning. There's a few things working for us. So it's super cold, which is good. I think is a good thing can be a good thing because it it gets those bulls to a f certain places. Then also, one of the things that I was looking for is I knew this particular draw and at the top, there was a, I guess it was like a ridge that runs north-south. And there was this one pocket where the ridge dips over and there's this little tiny meadow. You couldn't really see it from anywhere without climbing up there and it's a very long hike, right? And there's a lot of these little meadows and whatever around but you know to go and say like i'm putting all my eggs in this particular ridge meadow whatever you're investing a lot of time time that i actually didn't have um and also time that i didn't necessarily think was ideal for this 
So, and then the other side of the mountain would get that good morning sun. So the side we were glassing on, the sun's going to come up behind us and we're going to get that good morning sun. Remember, it's really cold. And I knew that there was a enough feed, like a small pocket of meadow. And then this thing is just covered in trees. Big tree face, glassing like a sea of PJs, we call it like pinion juniper. And so we're set up and I'm essentially looking at the top of the mountain. The guys are asking like, okay, okay, why are we looking up here? Like, aren't most of the elk moved down? There's snow. It's probably hard to get up there. Are elk really at the top of the mountain? My answer is yes. There's also elk down in the valleys here, right? There's plenty of cows. You might find a good bull, but we're looking for a kind of a bull that is very hard to find. It's hard to find even in a really good unit sometimes. We're looking for for a big bull, a 350 plus type bull. And yeah, there's... We could probably go and glass the edges of fields. And yeah, there might be some big bulls in there too, right? I mean, in a limited area, you have a better chance of that happening. In a general area, unless it's a place that nobody can hunt, probably more just cows and and younger bulls. So we're set up, sun starts to come up and we're glassing. And it just, it looks like impossible glassing because one, you're so far away to a lot of timber. And what I'm looking for, I wasn't necessarily looking for elk to start out as the sun started to come up. I was looking for places that the elk are going to go to. So I was looking for a a ridge that kind of came out that had an opening where the elk could pop out and sun themselves on the bedding side and then slip into the timber as well. I also was looking at the top, like pretty much right at the top of the mountains on the backside of where I knew there's probably four or five little kings. Like I was like, okay, there's a little meadow on that one side little meadow at the top on that side where I could catch elk coming off from feeding because you couldn't you know, you think, oh, go on the other side of the mountain glass there. We can't see, you couldn't see those pockets. So and I was set up there glassing and I, and I saw a spot that I'm like, okay, I've now, the sun's up, we're looking, I'm, I'm covering. And I, and I also at this time, I'm in glassing some of the other stuff and I picked out a few elk in the kind of mid-range of the mountain and they were, you know, they were elk. They were more like raghorn bulls bachelored up. Uh, we, we analyzed all of them and there's some in the valley and, and nothing big. And, and then I remembered those spots that I'd seen at the top. And so as the day started to get a little bit warm, it's probably mid-morning at this point, I don't know, 10, 30 a.m. Started glassing into there really good. And there's this one just spot that looked like there's a big tree like the wind was coming down. I figured the winds, they're going to be bedded on this side. The wind's blowing downhill. They like to get that wind at their back. And this place, he could be in the timber and get a little bit of sun. The morning was still pretty cold. And I'm glassing, glassing, glassing all these little pieces that match that kind of search criteria. And there's this one spot that's like, I look at it and think, God, that'd be hard to get into. It's like cliff band near the top. And there's probably from the melt and the runoff, just these huge icicles on it. I'm like, dude, that would be a hard place to get to. And I look up into the pocket above it and I see in the timber behind, we're a long ways away, just the coloration of, a, there's a bull in there. I'm like, there's your bull. I hadn't seen its head or anything, but I just think sometimes there, it works out where it's like, that's a spot where a big bull is going to live. I was like, there's your bull. And sure enough, we we sit and watch it and watch it and zoom scopes in and a bull comes out and he beds right in this like, I think those cliffs sometimes like lend an opening to get some sun. And 
it's like some rough country. And this bull beds down right above this ice cliff. It's like a big 360 type bull. Um, had some broken stuff, but big, big frame, long tines, everything you want in an elk. Now the challenge is, okay, well, how do we kill this elk? And the plan was going to be, we we're going to go up to where he was feeding from. And then in the hopes that he fed over back into that spot. And unfortunately I didn't have a lot of time to, to hunt. So we made that play. We we're going to hike up, wait till dark. And then hopefully he pops back because he's clearly feeding on that one side. And hopefully he didn't go to another side to feed. Now, I mean, unfortunately, this isn't a story that ends in, yeah, smash the big bull. This is a story that, like, the bull didn't show up. Some other elk came out, from what I recollect, like, I don't even remember what they were, to be honest. The bull didn't come out, and then it was a long hike back in the dark. However, with more time, I feel like we would have been able to kind of pattern that bull and figure out, okay, is he is he hitting this same feeding area every time? We could have concentrated on it, but... Regardless of that, you know, using the tactics of knowing where big bulls are a certain time of year allowed me to focus in and in a very short amount of time, pick out a good bull, a, a shooter bull, and something that they were unable to find prior to me getting there. And just by understanding mature elk behavior, elk behavior, animals, one of the things that I always talk about when I do those the outdoor classes on mule deer hunting or whatever understanding the animal, and I think if you listen to this podcast, like, okay, the more we can understand the animal, the habits of the animal, we can take these tactics really anywhere. Um, I've hunted a lot of different states, a lot of different countries, a lot of different environments and places and, and find success because the first thing is understanding animals, animal behavior. And some behaviors are the same between certain species and other species have very specific behaviors. But just really diving into the behavior of the animal helps you pinpoint elk and deer and whatever you're hunting for that time of year. And the more specific we can get on that, the more successful we're going to be wherever we're hunting. So let's talk a little bit about elk behavior. And honestly, like this could just be, I could probably expand on this and make it just a year of podcast, but I'm gonna, we'll kind of get the basis of it going and then dive into a little bit of chasing those mature bulls. You know, if you think about elk, what a mature bull is doing during September is he's rutting and he's running the herd and he's freaking tired by the end of it. And as we start to transition into late October, like beginning of October, if you've got an early October tag this year, I think you're, you're probably going to be getting into some bugles and I would kind of continue to hunt like some of the September tactics, but then also transition into these later season tactics. But as the bull's what's going to happen is the bulls are running the herd and then they start to get tired and the rut starts to fade off and they pull away and they go and they need to recuperate. They've expended as much energy during the rut as a cow does to grow a calf. At least that's what I've heard. So they're, they're going to go into kind of this seclusion and a lot of species do this after, you know, different times of the year where the mature animals, they pull out and, and go into seclusion now, when we're talking about general areas, when we're talking about even limited draw areas, the big bulls, the mature animals, they need a few things. Well, they get some good genetics and then they need, a mature bull needs age. And a bull that has survived many hunting seasons is doing that by going to places where hunters are not finding them, where it's very, very difficult to turn these animals up. And that's how they survive. That's how they become a mature bull. 
Well, especially in a general area. And even in areas where, you know, there, there's limited tags or maybe there's more tags and it's just uh, big bulls don't get big by being stupid, especially in places where there's a lot of hunters and other predators as well. So they pull off and they go into the seclusion often by themselves. Uh, they're single and isolated. And what they're doing is they're recuperating and then they start to feed again and they go into a feeding pattern. Often this feeding pattern from what I've noticed is in a few different ways. Like you, you're going to find them in areas where there's enough food for them. They don't need a lot. When you're talking about a herd of 100 elk, the feeding area needs to expand. When you're talking about one singular bull, to be honest, a lot of where they're feeding is probably within cover or very near cover, small little pockets of graze or places where the timber is sparse enough, maybe the edge of a burn where there's some really good thick cover around, or I've even seen like a bull living in a tiny pocket of a clear cut. I maybe mentioned this before where it's got like one patch of like thick willow brush, whatever, surrounded by live timber. And it's probably only five acres at the most. And that bull's just living within that area. He's not going far. He's got everything he needs. He's got food. He's got water. He's got cover. He's got microhabitat, and he's living in it. And he's probably not moving a lot. And if he is moving, it's within a pattern that he knows is safe. One of the things about elk it, that I think a lot of people don't think about, don't know, is that they're very patternable, but they're, I mean, they're on patterns might not be easy to pattern them because sometimes that pattern is two days. Sometimes that pattern is every day. Sometimes that pattern is a four-day pattern and they've got these circuits that they run and they do these things and keep them safe. I think that really big bulls are probably on the tightest pattern or really mature bulls. Old bulls are on the tightest pattern because they've been doing something, like they did something the first year and that worked and they survived and they didn't run into hunters and they've got their escape routes and they know it. And then the next year they did the same thing and it worked and they survived and they grew. Now bulls that are getting shot <laughs> during these patterns, they didn't survive and they aren't becoming as mature bulls. So they, they haven't been doing the patterns long enough and it's a pattern that didn't work. And then they'll do this pattern again and again and again, year after year until they hit that age where they're now an old mature bull. This is like in areas where the elk don't migrate. You're going to find that a lot of the big bulls that are killed outside of the rut don't move much. Like they're in a three-mile radius. They live on a one part of a mountain and they do this like pattern and that keeps them moving and out of sight and safe. And then areas that are migratory, you're even going to find that those elk are also on patterns. It's just a lot longer pattern. There's bulls that, when you're really familiar with an area, there's there's bulls that I have seen that show up in an area that aren't even, shoot, I don't know where they come from. Maybe, I mean, I would guess at least a, a ways away into a migration area that we are finding year after year at a certain time of year, like literally on the same trail nearly, um, bedding near the same spot. Uh, two years, when we had a, uh, I, I mean, I've hunted with a guy that the year prior we were in a, particular area and got on a bull he missed the bull we went back the next year and killed the bull and very identifiable bull for sure the same bull pretty much i mean damn near the same bed and you'll see that in places like more arid country maybe nevada new mexico arizona where 
you've got a bull and you can almost pattern him. He's like, he crosses the same, like he goes past the same tree every three days, every four days. If, if For the guys that have sat back and really understood the area, you're going to find that these elk live in these patterns. So how do we dive in and like go, okay, I'm in a general unit. How am I going to find a freaking mature bull that's evaded hunters for however long and figure out what that pattern is? Honestly, that's the hard part, right? But there are a few things that we can look to when we understand, like this is what this is what mature bulls do. You know, you can go, you can go spend your time. And it I think that like the big part about elk hunting is I love hunting elk. And I love eating elk, right? When I have a general elk tag in, in certain places, I know that I could go hunt all season and probably turn up a big bull. And then I also know that like I could go to an area where I'm in elk more because it's still hard no matter what and have a better chance of success. It's like, hey, it's got to be a brow tine bull. And I shoot a bull that I take home and heat. And it's like, I really don't care. And then there's other hunts where I want to hunt for the best bull in, that I can find. And when so it, I kind of have like when I have a tag, I, I go, what am I exactly trying to accomplish here? Because if I'm going to go, if I really want a mature bull, I got to hunt different than I do for other elk or just to be successful and sometimes right that's not always the case i've been in places where it's full of cows and young bulls and we shoot a giant bull it happens but for the most part during those late rifle seasons or whatever season it is whether it's an archery or whatever late in the year the mature bulls are doing something different and in order to target them you also have to do something different you have to focus on the things that they're doing and, and hunt those areas. And to be 100% honest, it's often lower success and more difficult for the reason that they have evaded hunters for a very long time. But also maybe, you know, in some areas, hunters aren't focusing on that because it is more difficult. So you see less and you get frustrated and you go home or you go to another spot where you can find more, more elk and have more success. So that lure of success also draws people away. And sometimes the just knowledge of the challenge prevents people from even, you know, attempting. So when I'm looking for mature bull areas, what am I doing? I'm, I'm looking for places that match the type of behavior that they're doing. Places where I go, okay, well, they're going to have that, that type of feed. They need that habitat. And this could be a million spots, right? But what I start to do is highlight those areas, highlight those areas, highlight those areas. And then I think about the area, like the type of area that, I'm hunting? Is it a migration area? Is it a resident herd area? And you go, how do you know? Oftentimes the elevation, if if you're in an area where everything around it's 10,000 feet, and then you've got another area that's 3,500 feet, that's probably a migration area. And the 10,000 foot area is probably an area that they're moving out of. And the 3,000 foot areas, you know, where the mountains go like valley floors at 3,000 and tops are at six or seven probably moving from that higher plateau or whatever to that lower elevation area. Now, if you're in warmer climate, Arizona, Nevada, whatever, and you go, okay, the elk were probably on the top of the mountains and now they're moving down to the valleys. They maybe don't make big migrations. Wyoming, there's areas where they migrate a very long ways, especially mule deer. But, you know, understanding that type of, what type of area it is, helps you pinpoint, okay, what what kind of elk am I looking like? What are some of the places that I can look to? 
in an area where we also have to say like, how close to the rut was it? It was close to the rut and they haven't moved out of this particular area yet. End of October, beginning of November. A lot of places in Colorado, places like that, you can go, all right, those bulls have pulled away. Where were they running? Where's somewhere that's reasonable for them to get to? Where's a place that honestly is not that easy for hunters to get into? What are those places where there just is not a lot of pressure? And not a lot of pressure can mean a few things. It can mean an area, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a million miles into the backcountry. Sometimes those areas get more pressure than anywhere else. They got outfitters, horse packs, what have you. And then there's other areas that are like fairly close to where there's a lot of traffic, but people aren't popping into them. So it can also be, yeah, it is a, a long ways off the trail and off the road or just a little ways off the trail. Most of the people are taking the trails, taking the roads. I would say get away from those things. And then you start to get into that mindset of mature bull. This is where I'm living. Places with a lot of cover, a lot of timber. And the way that you hunt it is essentially a still hunting technique where you can't really glass a lot of it. Or if you can glass it, it's very difficult glassing. And then you're looking to exploit some kind of weakness in that bull's armor where it's like, okay, we got really cold weather. Maybe he'll pop out and sun himself. Okay, we got a lot of snow. Maybe I can use a method of looking for tracks. Maybe I'm in an area where there is a lot of cover, but it's like we're in that Southwest type country high desert type country could be anywhere eastern montana places in montana wyoming colorado like there's that high desert and you go okay glassing is going to be that strategy i gotta look for those pockets i'm, I'm looking up high i'm looking at the places that they're gonna leave last those are the places i'm gonna start focusing on to focus on that behavior of what those elk are doing it's being secluded it's recuperating it's getting into a feeding pattern and then those places that are tough to find elk in those are the places that hold those mature bulls of course you can find them anywhere too right like i mean you can find them out in the open sometimes you can find them in the burns you can find them in a lot of places but what i like to do is first focus on okay where in this particular area would a mature bull likely be able to survive year after year and then once i find those areas or maybe you find those areas that are like that and you start to turn up an elk okay, now we understand, okay, here's an elk. Now, what do we do? Now we kind of exploit the fact that we know that that elk might be patternable in some way and try to figure that bull out, try to figure those elk out. When I do find a mature bull, like let's say in that story, if I had more time, if I had a week to hunt. Now, sometimes it's like, do you find that elk last day of the season? You got to make place. But also sitting back and understanding like, okay, how, how can I learn this bull? What's this bull doing? Sometimes you never turn that elk up again. Sometimes he's just right there and you still don't turn him up again. But just getting in and, and focusing on that thought of, okay, this elk probably does have some kind of pattern. What is he doing? And how can I, like, what's a reasonable move for this elk to make? Why is he in this particular spot? It's cold. He's sunning himself. He was probably feeding right here. This is a good bedding area. When he's not cold, when that bull moved off into the timber shortly after warming up enough where it's like, okay, he's probably in the timber more 99% of the time, but within somewhere on that bedding side. He's got the wind going downhill. He's got good bedding. He can pop over and feed. 
There's plenty of water. There's snow around. I don't think he's too concerned about water. If he wanted, he could drop down to the canyon. There's a creek there. Doubt he ever does that. But if he does, it's probably at night. Okay, well, we know that this is his home now. And now we just need to figure out his pattern within his home. And that's kind of the philosophy that I have for hunting mature bulls, big bulls. It's very difficult, yes, but it's also like any other kind of hunting where you you pinpoint the things that are in least supply and the things that they need behaviorally. And then you start to focus on those areas. And once you've identified those areas, then you start to really dig in, look for elk. Once you've found elk, then you start to analyze that elk, analyze that terrain and continue to hunt that. Also, what I'm doing is when I found elk, I go, okay, for this particular area, here's a bull. Maybe it's not the bull I'm looking for. Maybe it is a, you're like, that's an old bull. Okay, what are other places in this unit that are like this? Have the same topography, same terrain features and start highlighting those areas now because we know that in this area, elk like this particular spot. Now we're going to find other places like that and that gives us multiple places to try to attempt to find elk. And by doing that, I think that it helps you hone in on mature bulls, mature bull behavior and brings you a lot closer to finding success on that type of elk, especially if you've got maybe a, a late season tag in a in a limited entry unit or you've got a general tag, but you're like, man, I see these elk, I could go hunt elk, but I really want to uh, go for a mature bull this year. It can be a lot of fun. It can be really rewarding. And sometimes you're hunting in places where and there aren't other people. I know for me, uh, for quite a few years, I, I would just go to places where it's like, dude, the snow would push most of the elk out of the mountain. And I'm going for the few bulls that are still staying up high. Not that that's a guarantee, right? But I'm going to see fewer elk and I might find that one bull that's just like, ah, he's going to be the last bull out of here. That's the bull I'm hunting for. And I've had a lot of success doing that. So as the season goes on, as the things change, as those bulls start to do different patterns, then we start to hone in on that. Now, as the season goes longer too, what happens is once they've recuperated, now they're going into that winter mode. Now they're going into survival mode. What happens now is bulls often bachelor up. Mature bulls often stick together. So if you find a a good bull, hey, look around. There might be other good bulls with him. Sometimes groups of three, four, five. I've even seen groups of 10 mature, you know, nice bulls, mature type bulls in general units across the country. So that is a possibility as the season goes on. Now you're looking for like, okay, as they start to bachelor up, now that that usable habitat needs to expand. It's not that little pocket anymore. It's a little bit bigger pocket. It's where it can maintain five elk for a certain period of time in a pattern that they're going to hang out in before they move on and join up with the rest of the elk down on full on winter range. So that's just something to think about. Think about that behavior. Think about what elk do and then find places that match that behavior. And I think by doing that and playing that chess game like that, you're going to be a lot more successful targeting a certain type of elk. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. One of the things that I like to do is is I like to highlight tactics a little bit down the road. Because what I used to do is I used to always just be like, here's a great tactic for this week. And guys are like, I wish I had that two months ago because I, I'm planning and prepping for my hunt now. I, a lot of guys that have general rifle tags, rifle tags, late season tags. You're thinking about that hunt now. You're planning and prepping now. And so it's good to have 
in ideas, you start to go e-scouting, maybe getting some boots on the ground scouting, starting to think about your season and, and saying like, well, what kind of hunt do I want? What am I looking for? Now's a good time to, to have these tactics in our pocket. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at targeting more elk, right? When we're targeting mature bulls, it's a, it's a lonely game. I mean, it really is. Like there's the success rate drops, the opportunity drops, the amount of elk you're seeing often drops. Not always. Sometimes it's the opposite. But there are ways to target more elk. So there's many hunts where I go on and I go, I really just want to be successful. Hey, my, my wife and I have cow tags this year. It's like, She's more excited about that. We, I think she, she, she will probably just target one elk. She can shoot a bull or a cow. And she's like, I want to target a cow for a lot of reasons. It's successful. It's fun. And where those cows are, not that you can't run into a mature bull, not that you can't run into a immature bull, whatever. But what we're going to focus on is finding higher concentrations of elk. And we're looking for success. And honestly, that's a, that's a great way to hunt as well. If you got, it's hard enough, like just because you have that, if you've got a general tag in many units across the West or a close to general tag, a lot of hunters out, killing any elk can be difficult. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and like, man, I've hunted 10 years and not had an opportunity to kill an elk or kill a bull. So switching our tactics going, look, success is higher priority. The best way to be successful is have a lot, multiple encounters, multiple opportunities, be in the place where the highest concentrations of elk are because it gives you the best opportunity for bringing one home. And so we're next week going to look at that. What does it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but we're going to cover the best bets for finding general area bulls, higher concentrations of late season elk and ways that, you know, oftentimes it's younger bulls, uh, more what some people call raghorns, do not be ashamed of a raghorn elk. I've shot more of those than I can count. Like that's what I target a lot of times. It's like del- the most delicious elk on the mountain in an area where, you know, you might not be able to shoot cows. For the longest time, a lot of places that I hunted didn't have cow tags, which is crazy. Now I think management switched a lot. It was like they wanted high populations of elk and they never offered an opportunity to shoot cows for a very long time when I was growing up hunting. It was like bull or nothing. It had to be a brow time bull. And so we would just go and try to find the first legal bull we could. And it was really fun and I enjoyed the, the heck out of it. And I was proud of every single elk that I took because it's it difficult. It's difficult hunting. It's difficult to even do that. So we're going to talk about ways to kind of target those particular animals based off of their behavior. And that's going to be next week. You know, on this past elk hunt, one of the companies that we work with that is a great supporter of this podcast, Montana Knife Company. If you missed it, we did a drop on my email list for the Stone Goat Montana Knife, had the Live Wild logo. So you'll you'll notice on a lot of my stuff actually is an L and a W. It's not the podcast logo, but it's my Live Wild brand logo. So any of the apparel, whatever, you'll see this new logo that I have. I think it's awesome. It looks like you can see an arrowhead on the outside. It makes an arrow... It's got an L and a W, like an L facing both ways. Almost looks like a, an angry bull in many ways. I think it's an awesome, awesome logo. I, I, I drew it up myself. And uh, that's, you know, any of the things that I'm doing in the future under that Live Wild name, Live Wild brand, will include that logo. So you go on my website, like I talked about earlier, we've got our hats and other things. Well, in some of the companies we partner with, we do special products that have that. And you were able to get 
in on that drop ahead of time through through my email. Now, if you missed out and you're like that, I used that knife on my big bull last week. Incredible knife. It's kind of like in between the Stonewall Skinner and the Speed Goat. You know, right now, currently in stock, Montana Knife has the Stonewall Skinner and the Speed Goat. So if you're like, hey, I, I want to get into a Montana Knife, they're incredible knives. And if there's something you see on there, you can scroll through their other knives and go, look, I really want this knife. It's not available right now. Click on the get notified when it comes available. What they'll do is they send you an email about a drop. And then when those drops happen, it's just once that drop goes live, go on there and buy them. Because these are, you know, hand-finished American-made knives. There's, It's hard to make enough of them to keep in stock. So they get a batch of them. They sell that batch. And so if you're interested in a knife that isn't available, make sure you're on their email list so you get notified of those drops like that. It's, it's They've got some incredible products on there. Cruise around their website. I definitely encourage people. It's it's a, the kind of knife that you, you would pass down to your family and kids. And I already know this one from this last hunt. That's I'm taking it on my sheep hunt too. I'm like, this is a good knife. It's got the good feel. It's got everything that I love in a knife. And it's got some some good luck to it too as well. So great knives by a great company. Keep an eye out for that. As always, as we're in the season, shoot me your success photos. Feel free to drop comments on you know social media, send me messages. I we're all busy this time of year, hopefully hunting. You know, some of you, a lot of people listen to these podcasts on their way to a hunt. You know, I think social media interaction in some ways is like I'm either spending time with my family or out hunting. But feel free to shoot me messages, whether you got it on Instagram, wherever, wherever you social media. Instagram is the one that I check the most. You can also email us, hunt at remywarren.com. And I, I see those as well. Sometimes I can't, I just don't have the time to reply to everything. But I do really enjoy seeing your success, seeing your photos. Feel free to drop a good rating, comment on the podcast if you guys listen and share it with your friends. If That always helps us out. I really appreciate everything you guys do for me because, you know, it, it's fun for me to sit down to share these tactics. I think in some ways this podcast is almost dangerous. Like it, it causes success rates to dramatically increase. I get a lot of emails from guys who are like, dude, I wasn't successful for a very long time. I just started listening to this podcast and now I'm like, there's some guys that have been sending, it's like success picture, success picture, success picture. They're doing a few things different and they're finding success. And that's, I love hearing about that. So keep that stuff coming, guys. I really appreciate it. Until next week, I'm just going to say mature bull out. I don't know. That was terrible. <laughs> Catch you guys later.